0: Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Conversations.
1: Of an episode for everyone today.
0: Oh, man, guys, this is really exciting. Pages and pages of notes are notes. We have a lot of notes for a very short novella. Yeah, they might be
1: longer than the actual novella. <laughs> so we told you last week that we were going to go over a bunch of the short stories and little add ons deleted scenes as well as many of the novellas and that brandon has written over the years one of my favorites and the book that i started my cosmere journey with or the novella that i started my cosmere journey with is the emperor's soul and that's what we're looking at today and we have found it to be chock full of cosmere insights goodies and hidden secrets
0: yeah i mean i think Most of Brandon's work holds up really well to multiple reads um, because it's so dense, especially when you're reading for the greater Cosmere. But I think this one in particular is really good. Like I would say you're almost required to read it like at least three times.
1: So hashtag as always, all spoilers all the time. If you have not read The Emperor's Soul, we are going to dive deep, explore every single aspect and facet that we can possibly think of you should totally read The Emperor's Soul. Yeah,
0: highly recommended reading. You can get it on its own if you have a Kindle. I don't know if you can get it by itself as a hard copy. But Not that I'm sure aware. You can sure get it digitally, co- yeah. and then you can get it in Arcanum Unbounded as well.
1: Hard copy or digital, Arcanum Unbounded, available in your local bookstores. We think that The Emperor's Soul has so many different aspects that kind of summarize the greater Cosmere or bring so many of the different aspects that we love about Cosmere books into one perfect packet. I'm going to go out- It's
0: a good introduction.
1: Right now and say it's the best introduction. (sighs) I started with this book, so I'm biased. I understand my own biases. Therefore, you should be biased in the same way that I am. (laughs) And everyone should read The Emperor's Soul first.
0: I do think- like, you've always said this, but after this latest reread, I agree with you. I think it's a really good place to start someone if you're like, well, you know, just pick up something that's, like, not too long. It's not that much of a time commitment. And it's a very good, like, template for the rest of the Cosmere. Like, if you like Emperor's Soul, you will probably be interested in the rest of the things.
1: I, in fact, had a meeting just yesterday when someone mentioned that they liked Harry Potter and I was like, you should totally read The Emperor's Soul and get into the Cosmere, mainly because I want more podcast listeners, but...
0: Yeah, we basically say that to everyone we meet. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: not. It's very normal for (laughs) us. What I'd like to do with Brooke, just kind of go back and forth, let's take The Emperor's Soul, just kind of piece by piece, characters, the magic system, all the different history aspects and throw out some fun facts, some word of Brandon, some quotes. Let's just go deep, like the old episodes. Here we go.
0: Let's do it.
1: Starting with our main character, whose name is Shy. Full name, Wan Lu, and goes by Shy. She is a forger, a thief on planet Cell, obviously. And as a master forger, Shy has a unique magic system that is defined by magic stamps they're not all soul stamps are they
0: i believe they are all soul stamps there is not a different name presented for them um they do make a distinction with essence marks which are specifically soul stamps that rewrite the soul of a human
1: Because the general soul stamp is used to manipulate and change the selected inanimate object. That's what normal soul stamps are going to do.
0: Wait, let's back up a little bit. Because like you said, this story takes place on the planet of Cell, which is also home to Elantris. And so these two magic systems are related, being in the same investiture environment
1: and how would you kind of explain their relation because on the surface it may not seem exactly apparent that this is a similar magic system to what we saw in elantris uh but when you kind of take the broad view or zoom back a little bit i think it is pretty clear that they're operating very similarly and as well as some of the evil ways that the magic can be manipulated. We'll talk about that in a moment. But like, how are the magic systems compared between Elantris and Emperor's Soul, Soul Stamping, similar?
0: Yeah, I think at first glance, they're pretty different. But if you take just a little bit of time to look at both of them, you'll see that the common element in all of the investiture we see on Cell is form or shape. So all of the investiture on that planet is based on, um, that principle of either form or shape. Like in Elantris, you have to draw a specific shape in order to channel the magic. Um, for Shy, she etches specific shapes into stone that then channels the magic, uh, through that specific shape. Um, and as we know, investiture on cell is location based um, because super cool. the planet is becoming sentient. It is like infused with investiture and is becoming sentient and it's so cool.
1: Yeah, and we don't have as many books exploring cell as we would want to kind of go down this road of what it means for a planet to become sentient, uh, but it's definitely an aspect that Brandon is exploring more um in some of his other works as well. So
0: Yeah, which we'll talk about. We will. This is also quick recap. The two shards on this planet were they fought Odium. Odium smashed them into the cognitive realm. So this is like a very unique investiture environment in Elantris. They have to incorporate the shape of Elantris or Aralon mm-hmm. into their designs for Shy. She has to put a um, sort of like ceiling mark on the back of her stamps that looks like her homeland, my pawn.
1: And as you can probably already tell from the characters' names and some of the places we have mentioned, there is a heavy amount of Asian influence, specifically Chinese influence, on the Emperor's Soul. And I think that with some of the word of Brandon's and background stuff that we have learned over the years about the Emperor Soul, we can definitely say that this book was heavily influenced by Brandon's time that he spent living in South Korea and visiting many places like Shanghai, Taiwan, and it's a interesting Juxtaposition, I think, to Elantris, which to me always felt like one of the least developed cultures or regions. You have the Elantrians and the people who live all around Elantris, and then you have like the Fiordel who kind of live all around them. But I didn't really get a lot of aspects of diversity or kind of knowledge of the outside world from elantris and then in this novella very quickly it is established that this is a massive empire with people from vast different backgrounds and histories um yeah. shy's people are part of the overall rose empire that has you know an emperor and his soul <laughs> that we'll talk about But she feels segmented or separated or her people feel separated from the main um, dynasty and like the main people. Well, the Rose
0: Empire, I think, I'm pretty sure they say there's like 80 different factions. Yes. So essentially, at least what I have in my head is like a relatively small area of the Rose Empire where you have within it a bunch of different tribes, essentially, of like maybe minutely, but still unique groups of people who are probably all like relatively closely related, but they have their own sort of unique characteristics and cultures, and they're all living together in relatively close proximity.
1: Yeah, I think that while we don't have a complete map of cell as we, you know, have Google Maps here on Earth, um, I think it's definitely fair to say that there are a couple of things that are known about the overall geography that I think are important, and mainly that's that the city of Elantris and where Elantris takes place is geographically quite separate and very far away from this Rose Empire. And while they are definitely aware of each other and possibly even have like some light trade negotiations... Um, They are not major rivals at this point, or...
0: Yeah, I think Brandon has said that. I want to say there's three major continents on cell, but they're all, like you said, they're really far apart. And so, and each of those sort of groupings are very occupied with what's going on in their own homeland. Like, in the Rose Empire, they have 80 different political factions. So, like, they're very busy with all of that and then in elantris clearly they're very occupied with like the city falling and Mm -hmm. like people dying and being alive slash dead and the fjord all coming for them
1: i think that this aspect of geography and history is important because the concept or the investiture the magic use of soul stamping is based on understanding a thing's history understanding a inanimate objects materials that were used to create it the uses uh that that object went through over years or or centuries and shy being a thief yes is also something of a Incredible historian and researcher, and she reminds me a lot of yasna in many ways.
0: I think that's what's really cool about this magic system, and what's really different yeah. between this and Aeon Door in Elantris is that Aeon Door, I think of Sanderson's magic systems, is the most soft magicy where it's like, well, as long as you draw this, like, cool shape, then yay, you just get to do magic stuff. Whereas, like, Shy, she has to do a lot of work, and some things are more work than others, but it still requires a lot of thought and, like, careful planning in order to execute her form of investiture.
1: So we have the Rose Empire, and Shy is hired by a famous artist, uh, an artist who has reached a, an elderly age and has gone blind. And he, that artist hears that one of his masterpieces is now hanging in the emperor's palace. Being from one of the smaller tribes, this artist doesn't is not really fond of the emperor or the empire as a whole and has that kind of feeling of like, being a people that were taken over by the empire and are now technically part of it, but don't really want to be. And so he hires Shy to break into the emperor's palace and destroy his masterpiece. Shy, being a forger who can manipulate and change an object, instead likes to replace these masterpieces with works of her own creation, basically forgeries. So she breaks into the palace and successfully steals the artwork, but leaves behind a nearly identical copy uh, to represent her work, uh, her thieving and her forgery that is supposed to hang in the palace. And I mention that only to kind of set the the groundwork of a lot of shy's motivations. She's not a simple thief. She is not someone who is just like a you know, a tough or a brute that is going to uh break into places and, you know, cause a bunch of ruckus. Uh she has her own internal motivations and her own desires and she's something of a a master artist herself in a way where she wants her work to be seen. However, she is tricked by the Imperial Fool. And that's all the name that we get, but secret, secret, Cosmere Conversations, if you are unaware, the Imperial Fool is Hoid.
0: The Imperial Fool is always Hoid. It is always
1: (laughs) Hoid. Uh, Playing a very similar role as he does on Rashar, he is disguised as the Imperial Fool and tricks Shy and that trick eventually leads to her capture and imprisonment. And that's basically the beginning of Emperor's Soul. There was a prologue that kind of outlined that, but Brandon eventually scrapped the prologue entirely. And we basically just start with Shy in prison yep. because of these crimes that I've just lined up. Where does it go from there? Because she starts to meet some of the other characters that are going to be important, and I'd love to talk about each of them.
0: She is on the chopping block, and then her captors decide that they may be able to use her skills to resolve a problem that they have, which is that the emperor was attacked, his wife was killed, and he took an arrow to the head. Ouch, town. Bummer. Um... There is a related magic system called resealing, which is very similar to what Shai does, but used by surgeons. They reseal his body. Body's all cool, but he's essentially in a coma.
1: Yeah, he is unresponsive, non-communicative, definitely still alive. I think a coma is the best way to describe it, kind of brain dead uh, in many ways. And that's obviously not going to work out for an emperor who needs to you know give speeches and make appearances. Um, even though, as with many large empires in the modern day and in history, uh, there are a large number of people around the emperor that are his trusted advisors, which go by the name of arbiters. And these arbiters kind of run the day-to-day, empire and the emperor is responsible for you know looking pretty uh but these people can be seen as the ones who are actually in charge
0: yeah so they can't admit that the emperor is not really alive because they will lose political power and the two sort of leaders of the arbiters are one of the oldest most senior members of this group and his name is Gautona.
1: And then we have a younger and maybe more uh, aggressive slash crazy uh, <laughs> of the arbiters who is named Frava.
0: They have a guard as well named Zoo.
1: who is head of the King's Guard, a uh, Jamie Lannister, if you will.
0: And he's actually a different um, ethnicity than gautona and frava he is called a striker
1: and this is what i was talking about earlier very quickly we meet all of these characters shy who's one ethnicity the master artist who hired her is another ethnicity gautona frava and the emperor are all from the same faction Zhu is a striker another ethnicity and then we meet uh, a unnamed blood sealer who is kind of a very similar person looked down upon like shy for the use of magic. Uh, but his magic even pushes the boundaries a little bit farther. And while it's similar using stamps, the blood sealer magic is all about, uh, reanimating corpses. And as the name would imply using blood to power the investiture, uh, it has some similarities to the fjordel from Elantris in the kind of way that it can manipulate or...
0: Well, it uses bones. Yeah, bones as, as like, the stamp itself.
1: Yeah. And then the ink is always fresh blood. And all of those people are from different ethnic groups and different backgrounds and different histories, which Shy likes to point out quite a bit.
0: Then we have the emperor himself, Ashravan.
1: Now, Ashravan obviously starts the book in a coma, and we don't really know anything about him as a character independent of what is being told to Shy by other people. And the entirety of the book, the, the plot of the book, is Gautona and Frava come to Shy and say, we need you to fix the Emperor by forging his soul forging or recreating his soul that he has lost
0: i think this is interesting too because we can use forge as like make a illicit copy of and then we can also use forge as like create in like the fire of creation sort exactly. of she is both forging and forging the emperor's soul
1: that is a fantastic double entendre that i didn't even think about because the main way it's presented is making illicit copy yeah uh, but the idea of someone who is working the forge and those fires of creation is far closer to what shy is eventually going to do
0: yeah absolutely
1: so let's kind of lay this out shy is given 100 days because of traditional grieving uh practices in the rose empire the emperor lost his wife in this attack so he is going to be grieving for 100 days isolated from his people and they can convincingly say everything's fine he's just doing a normal grieving process when in fact they give shy 100 days to Forge the Emperor's soul. And that begins daily rituals when people from the Emperor's life, but mainly Gautona and Frava, are going to inform Shai about the Emperor and she's going to teach us her magic, basically.
0: Yeah, she reads basically everything she can get about the Emperor, his own personal journal. Um, and Gautona ends up being a really good source for her as well because he has known Ashravan for a very, very long time and played a significant role in Ashravan's life. And he becomes the dummy, so to yeah, speak, the guinea pig for Shai to test her stamps. And it's pretty interesting because she creates, I think she said over a hundred different stamps yes. that each address like a different part of Ashravan's self-life motivations, and then she ends by taking all of those stamps. She stamps them all onto a metal plaque, and then that piece of metal has to remain close to the emperor forever in order for him to keep the stamping, essentially.
1: And I really found this aspect of Gautona's role and how Shai was able to test and receive immediate feedback without using Ashravan himself. So Gautona, as you said, has that similar history, that shared history with Ashravan. He's from the same ethnicity and even from a similar and cl- uh, close tribe when they were young children. And we have the ability of Shai's magic is all about understanding a person or a thing's history and then with the stamp, slightly rewriting that history to create a new outcome. So Gautona would come in every day or m- most days and Shai would stamp his forearm with some aspect that she believed was close to Asher van's true personality, let's just make up one, not real. Well,
0: the one that she uses, I think, first is like, "What's your favorite color?" There it is. And he's like, "Green," and she's like, "Great. Why?" And he's like, "I don't know." And it's like some, you know, she has imbued this stamp with like, it's his favorite color because his brother who died had like green eyes. And there's like a whole reasoning behind um, that. And then she's also embedded the fact that he doesn't realize that his favorite color is green because of his brother. And she
1: does all of that and then is able to stamp it onto Gautona. And for a moment, I think it's one minute, if it can hold for one minute, uh, and he can feel that his favorite color is green for one minute, it means that it's a very good match for Ashravan himself. And when it's stamped on Ashravan, it will become more of a permanent 24 hour thing because he has to be stamped every day. So the goal is to have all of these memories last for 24 hours. And if it lasts for one minute on Gautona, That is a positive result of Shy's test. And I just find the whole exploration of this magic system to be very, almost like a perfect example of Brandon Sanderson's writing and the mechanisms of his magic system and how they work. It's such a good microcosm for the bigger. Magic systems and sometimes the more complex magic systems like Alamancy and Furukami on Skadriel, like Surge Binding on Rishar. This is laid out very clearly in a way that kind of page by page makes it really interesting and fun to explore this soul snapping magic system.
0: And we've talked a little bit about the way that this magic system works, but it's quite detailed and I think super interesting. We know from a word of Brandon that the magic in Elantris was based on like computer coding, computer programming, um, the idea of like pattern and language essentially. And that's what I find as a language nerd super interesting about both of these magic systems that it's essentially breaking things down into what in language we would call like morphemes and diacritics and then when you add all of those things together it creates this new like language of magic
1: yeah and shy's magic system her soul stamp is kind of messing with the basic if then programming language oh yeah and so it's kind of you know our normal thing we build up these histories over long times but if you break it down to the code it's just a series of If this, then that, over and over again.
0: If someone had taken care of this table, then it would now be pretty and not in disrepair.
1: If someone let the table sit in a prison for decades, it would be a piece of junk. (laughs) And that's what Shy arrives to, just a prison cell that's all a piece of junk. But by the end of the novella, It is said that she has the nicest and most beautiful room in the entire palace, but it's a prison. like,
0: one by one goes around and rewrites the history of, like, all of the items in her room to, like, give them the future they deserve, sort of. Like, it's a very compassionate um, thing that she does, and we'll come back to this idea of, like, the emotionality of this magic system, but... She imagines these like beautiful, bright futures that the objects could have.
1: The mechanism itself of soul stamping is also interesting because organic material for the ink works best, and we know from the blood sealer that that include you know that includes blood um, as an organic material that can be used as ink, and animal material is better than plant material which yeah I like interesting. shy
0: gets um i think it's squid ink and she's like oh good like this, this is, is good stuff yeah this is good um higher quality obviously you could make inks out of plant but the animal is better and then i would assume that like human would be even more powerful than animal
1: but maybe with a A little corruption in there or something you know something a little negative coming back uh and it has this impact of so she has to first understand the history and then make subtle changes as she's carving the stamp when she stamps something it has this slight resistance regardless of what it is human skin stone table doesn't matter it has a resistance that makes it all feel very very rigid and like stone and then the stamp sinks in a bit she twists it to finalize it uh and if there are living things even a faint wisp of smoke um, that all kind of signify that the stamp has been set and sealed
0: and i think this is like a depiction of the stamp going through the physical into into the cognitive and maybe and spiritual, spiritual realm. Yeah. realm.
1: I would probably agree with that idea or that concept. That's not in book. We're kind of... Um, yeah,
0: it doesn't say that specifically, yeah, but it sure sounds like that's what's going on.
1: Yeah, because it's like a pause for a second and it's you know pushing right up against stone and then all of a sudden it just and it, sinks yeah. and falls in a little bit. And so you can totally see like, where's it going? What's it doing? I also find, as you mentioned, the idea of this metal plate when a stamp and a forgery gets more detailed and more complex, something like a piece of artwork is relatively easy compared to something like the Emperor's Soul. And you mentioned how she was going to create all of these different stories about Ashravan's life and put it onto a metal plate, which then that metal plate has to be around all the time because there's going to be a final linchpin stamp uh, that's going to need to be put on him every single day. And the linchpin is like a callback to all the other work she did.
0: Yeah, which is like, I don't really know exactly what is going on with that. But I find it really interesting and I would love to get more about that process because like what is happening with the metal? Like why is it metal? What kind of metal is it? Does it matter? She um, puts – you know what I mean? Like yeah. okay, that seems significant. Like she says specifically it's a metal plate. Like she's not putting it on ceramic or something like –
1: Well, we know from Scadriel that metal is one of the things – that is difficult to change when writing is on it you know mm, it is, yeah
0: uh, maybe it like prevents the spiritual realm yeah. from like rewriting itself
1: that could be it but we also know that metal is significantly special on Scadrial, and i don't know if right. that's Cosmere wide
0: yeah i just thought that was interesting and then like it doesn't really explain how those things are connected. Like she stamps, she's gonna stamp whatever a hundred different stamps onto this metal plate that make up Ashravan's soul. Then she's somehow gonna create like a shortcut stamp. Yes. like, okay, so how do those two things relate? How do you come well, up with a shortcut from the 100? We've already
1: talked about it. It's the computer program. It's coding, right? So you can write a simple line of code. That will do.
0: Oh, and then just like reference yes. certain, um, I forgot what they call them. There's a word for it. But
1: we'll just use like the most basic universal term. It's like there's a program, and this program that Shai is creating is called Ashravan Soul, the Emperor's Soul. Uh-huh. And then what she needs to do with that daily stamp is make a shortcut that can show up on the desktop uh, that is like easy to use <laughs> and easy to click. But when you click that shortcut, the if-then language says open up this program and it's pointing to the metal plate that Ashravan has.
0: So interesting. That's at
1: least my feeling and combining these different things that we learn in book and from words of Brandon is that basically what Shy is is a computer programmer who is writing a program for the emperor, of so. a person, yes.
0: Oh, dang! AI, <laughs> <laughs>
1: the Cylons are coming. Well, it's a little bit different than just like a pure AI, a pure creation, because remember, it has to be linked to right. Ashravan and be his own history plausible. and his physical. Yes, it yeah. can't just be anything. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we start talking about the philosophy, because it's mentioned in the book that the daily stamp is necessary because Ashravan is going to learn new things and he is going to change and grow over time. That metal plate with all the multitude of stamps that Shai builds over a 100 days is going to stay the same, but then the shortcut is like also allowing for new information, new feelings, new changes to come.
0: Yeah. And we get really the most in-world realmatic theory about how all of this works in the Emperor's Soul. When Gautona is coming to Shai every day to practice her stamps, um, they have these great like philosophical conversations and heart-to-hearts. And it's a really good example of like how two people who disagree and have very different perspectives of life and different knowledge bases can come together and like constructively discuss
1: do we want to read one of those quotes uh that really is just a basic summary of romantic theory
0: yeah because shy not everyone in the rose empire knows exactly what shy is doing and shy has all of this insight she tells him all things exist in three realms gautona Physical, cognitive, spiritual. The physical is what we feel, what is before us. The cognitive is how an object is viewed and how it views itself. The spiritual realm contains an object's soul, its essence, as well as the ways it is connected to the things and people around it.
1: Now, we know very few characters across the Cosmere who have this much knowledge that shy seems to possess as... Just a member of her ethnic group, her ethnic tribe. We don't know what we do know. Well,
0: and her profession.
1: Well, but it is her tribe specifically, like makes forgers. That is part that's of true, the, yeah. because it's their based history. on mypon. Yeah, so the mypon people have this great cosmere awareness that they may have just discovered based on their individual planet, but there's also the possibility of, you know, some interactions with some world hoppers, you know, maybe the Maipan are members, some of them are like members of the 17th Shard. This is like a pretty great example of the way that the Cosmere interacts with itself, how different places in the Cosmere are becoming more cosmerically aware
0: yeah, especially when you look at the history of the Maipan people, uh, Shai says that her early ancestors, like the very first Maipan people, worshipped rocks that fell out of the sky, so like meteors, and they believed those rocks to be the souls of gods, and then forgery began as they carved those meteors. Um into specific shapes originally like they carved the shapes of the gods and then those became stamps and I'm like wondering if those meteors on earth are like still the quote-unquote soul stone that has to be used to create uh, essence marks
1: because we get a lot of references in a word of Brandon about the unknown god that shy prays to uh brandon says that it's the same god beyond that's referenced by wayne on scadriel and in shadows for silence Hoyd even refers to an unknown god in elantris specifically the 10th anniversary edition
0: with that extra Little scene bit. at the end yeah
1: we talked about that last week um <laughs> so
0: it does seem that the maipan people have some kind of cosmic awareness that is coming from outside and then i'm wondering if the soul stone you know coming from space if that is like you know the magical stone that is making all of this possible
1: yeah and it's interesting because of course we know that so often what characters on a planet will refer to as a god is actually only one of the 16 shards And so the question is, what happened to which shard to kind of create this unknown god entity?
0: Or are they talking about Adonalsium? Yeah,
1: are they talking about the big greatness? I kind of like the idea of a meteor striking down on this planet as an example of the cosmic battle between Odium and... Is it Devotion and Dominion? Yeah. Uh, where you could imagine Thanos throwing a planet at Iron Man. Uh, that These massive shards were like throwing around meteors and stuff. Or like a planet broke up and part of it uh, smashed into Cell. Or part of Cell broke up. I don't even know like if that's possible. But like you can imagine the forces fighting over Cell maybe split the planet in some ways, you know, like, were going to lead to its ultimate destruction. And then in the Cognitive Realm, those two shards kind of, like, bound it back together. And that is why Cell is becoming investiture-filled. I'm just speculating wildly because that's what we do here. (laughs) But,
0: like, I I feel like that meteor and that history is really important. alternatively, okay, if Soulstone is not the Meteors then it could just be a result of the planet being infused with investiture mm-hmm. and then these stones arising being, like, filled with investiture. Back to the point of our philosophical discussions between Gautona and Shai. Um she adds on to her description of realmatic theory because Gautana is like very confused and he's like, I don't understand. Objects can't view themselves. What do you mean? And Shai says, the longer an object exists as a whole, the longer it is seen in that state, the stronger its sense of complete identity becomes. So like that's why she's able to soul stamp a table as a whole and she doesn't have to soul stamp each and every piece of wood within that table because the table sees itself as a table. Along with that, as Shia is pimping out her uh, cell, she forges one of her walls to have like this beautiful mural on it and Gautona Having learned about forgery from Shy, is like, wait, I don't understand. Like, how can you just change the walls so much? Like, how is that a plausible change to make? And she says,
1: quote, it will take, Shy said, if you were the wall, what would you rather be, dreary and dull or alive with paint?
0: Walls can't think.
1: That doesn't stop them from caring, end quote. And that gets at the cognitive realm and the spiritual realm about what does the wall think that it is?
0: And what does it want to be? Because a stick does not want to become fire.
1: But a wall does want to be covered with beautiful paint. The wall wants to be... it, It cares if it's taken care of. It cares if it's given attention. And that introduces so many rabbit holes to dive down of mental thought and philosophical thought that makes the Cosmere so fun because what does that mean are they like our toys from Toy Story do they come alive when we're not looking um or is it more subtle than that is it an idea about attention and where attention is given
0: I think it's like about identity For me, The Emperor's Soul is really helpful in clarifying um, Shadesmar and everything that we see in the Stormlight Archive, especially, I think it's the first book, right? When Yasna is, like, drowning in the beads and as, like, a first-time reader, you're like, what is going on? I don't really understand this. And she talks about coming into contact with the beads and getting an impression of something. Where like a bead houses the idea of like a table, a chair, a lamp. And so then adding this, all of this talk in the Emperor's soul that we get about how objects view each other and things like that kind of helps me put Shadesmar in context a little bit more.
1: I think it really makes it apparent the history and the way that a thing can view itself is resistant to change it's kind of like uh Mm, yeah einstein's theory or newton's laws that's what they are newton's laws uh an object in motion wants to stay in motion and an object in the cosmere wants to stay that object and it kind of likes being uh the best version of itself in a way
0: yeah totally
1: when it comes to The Emperor's Soul, I think it is really because of the brevity, because it's a novella, I think it benefits from clarity and precision in descriptions. There's not a lot of time to really kind of explore every facet or have a huge long, you know, battle sequence or it's kind of direct into the point and that's why I like it so much in understanding the greater Cosmere, like these aspects of romantic theory that we're discussing it's to the point and I like that about it
0: another thing that I think is really interesting, Gautona brings up like the permanence or the long term effects of something like a soul stamp or an essence mark that is changing like the spiritual aspect of a thing he says However, it makes me wonder, one can cut the body and it will heal, but do it over and over again in the same spot and you will scar. The soul cannot be so different.
1: And with this remark, Shy kind of brushes it aside, but then from a word of Brandon, we actually have a better knowledge of how powerful what Gautona said really is, uh, because Brandon said that forgery can be used to break the Nahel bond between a surge binder and their spren, which is, at least on Rashard, not something that we see happen i mean to force something?
0: yeah not like by an outside force yeah uh, it would have to be the uh, the two parties who are involved who have their spirit webs connected or altered they would have to like make the choice to then change their spirit webs back
1: but what gautona is saying is basically has to be true with the nahel bond is that you can actually through these essence marks uh Soul stamp and a hell bond out of existence.
0: Yeah. So I think he is onto something with that quote about, like, yes, the stamp might wear off in a minute or 24 hours. But, like he says, over time, continually stamping the same exact thing into a person, like, some of that is going to, there's going to be like a residual effect, right? Like, I would be interested to see Ashravan whatever a year after yeah five years after shy leaves and see if like like at some point does he not have to be stamped anymore or does the duration like last longer
1: is there any indication that the soul stamp has truly worked in the idea that it the mechanism is no longer even necessary to project Ashervan's soul into this, like, body, which is kind of basically the way that they understand what's going to be happening. Mean at the start of the novella, Frava, the other arbiter, comes in and is trying to blackmail, slash, bribe, slash, convince Shy to write in a back door. A back door, exactly, just like a, a code, as we talked about earlier. The idea with that, Frava could kind of manipulate or puppeteer Ashravan by having like some secret code word um, or sequence of things that had to be done. And then Ashravan could just be instructed by Frava, like, go out there and say these words from this script.
0: Or Shai could just write a program for Ashravan that... He, you know, highly regards Frava and takes all of her advice, right? And then, like, she doesn't even need a password. It's just written into his nature. Exactly. And he's predisposed to just be like, oh, Frava, like, you're so smart. I'll listen to everything you say.
1: But what you were mentioning earlier is the interesting aspect of would that be true enough to Ashervan's spiritual energy and spiritual self to have this long-term impact that we're talking about. I I would say, obviously, no, uh, that it would mess too much. But what should also be mentioned is that as part of the Sandersonian avalanche, the beginning of the end of this novella, there is an intense amount of rewriting, last-second additions, and changes to the core code. She spent a real hundred days and got seriously invested in this project literally her artistic her masterful self could not let the chance slip away and she felt that she truly did know Ashravan and wanted to create his soul so badly that she stayed longer and longer in prison when she could have escaped or could have made a move to escape I think that the question now is what were in those rewrites like we know a little bit and Brooke, what do you think was Shai's purpose or her intent?
0: Well, I think she says what her intent was. It's to hopefully leave the Empire better off.
1: By having like a better emperor in place.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and like making him, just like the table, the best version of himself.
1: I find that to be the first read-through that I got, because it it's the one that's clear. But then we have to remember who set all of this in motion. And that's Hoyd. So, what do you think Hoyd's intention was for imprisoning Shy, knowing that she would be in the situation where she would be able to rewrite the Emperor's soul? I'm kind of interested. What does Hoyd want?
0: Mm. Well, I mean, I think Hoyd is pretty smart. And I think he would know that Shy. Shai- has a good heart, you know, like there's, I don't think it's plausible. You couldn't soul stamp shy to like make her make a bad emperor or whatever.
1: Yeah, not that she it was, not that Hoyd was aiming for the emperor to be bad, but what does he imagine this will cause? What does Hoyd
0: Maybe exactly the outcome that we get.
1: But what is that outcome? It's left hanging because it's a, not a a full story it's just like the introduction now we have an entire empire that is being ruled by shy's creation like we can talk about the yeah philosophical is he his own person is he not we can say it's Shy's creation one way or the other um like did she make an ai that was so good that it actually has become sentient and will start ruling in its own way
0: maybe Something that ties in with that actually really closely that I didn't catch until this last read-through is Gautona sort of asks her about the stamp, I think. This might just be shy thinking to herself also, but to the point of these sort of liberties that she's taken or intuitive leaps that she's taken with crafting Ashravan's soul, she says... It's merely nudging him toward a certain path. So it's not necessarily making anything, you know, a sure thing, but it's sort of setting him on the path. She's just given him a tiny little nudge. And I just thought, oh my gosh, who does that sound like? Yeah, it's
1: Hoyd to a T, the nudger in chief. Yep,
0: hitting the little boulder just a tiny bit, enough to change outcomes.
1: I mean, this looks like a very successful Hoyd move. If you were trying to think of, you know, what Brandon was keeping in mind logically, it has to be that this was a successful move by Hoyd. that Hoyd nudged the boulder as he intended shy was the boulder and that boulder bumped into ashravan like it seems like this was a good situation for Hoyd, a win for Hoyd.
0: okay alternatively though alternatively i think this is just as plausible of a storyline Hoyd, remember the imperial fool escapes with the moon scepter which shy stole for him basically so i think it's possible that hoyd's goal was the moon scepter and he just didn't care what happened to shy after that he left her for imprisonment was interesting, just like eh. interesting he got what he wanted and this is just the ripples that came from that decision
1: okay i mean that's as you said a plausible read giving just less credit to hoid you know keeping him as just like he did a move to get the moon scepter which is what he yeah wanted, and then had all these unintended consequences
0: not that Hoyd doesn't know a lot but i think it's very easy to like
1: give too much power
0: yeah to give him all of our knowledge as complete mm, outsiders true. yeah you know and like i just i'm not totally convinced that he is that omniscient or that sort of super powered intellect to have seen all of this. That's like, a good point. I think he's still a human. He still is like selfish and short sighted on occasion. Um, and that it could really just be that this is like a happy accident of a different story that Hoyt is playing in.
1: Well, we do know that Hoyt is kind of collecting investitures exactly. from around the Cosmere so Mm -hmm. maybe the moon scepter was some has something
0: to do with it yeah
1: maybe like a a mobile bit of the planet's investiture like he can't do the Aeon door or he can't do um the shy soul stamping it like grants
0: him yeah it's kind of like a
1: you know a scepter just like it is storing the energy and then he can use it it kind of neutralizes who can use it because i imagine that with geography and the way that investiture works on cell you might have to be like born there yeah i think to, you know yeah it's not one of the types of investiture that is like easily transferable compared to something like breath or stormlight right so we know about the soul stamping tell me more about the blood sealing, which we see practiced by this well practitioner that's really all we know about him he's just a blood sealer yeah we don't hear
0: too much about it um we know that the location that that type of magic is based in is i'm not even sure how to pronounce this dahamar
1: good enough for me (laughs) starts with a d ends with hamar uh so. there's a z in there in the yeah. middle <laughs> does a
0: yeah there you go that's good enough yeah um and we kind of already talked about earlier it uses blood um the stamps are made out of bone and he has the ability to animate skeletons with like a specific directive which is interesting because it reminds me of like the lifeless on Nalthus and being able to awaken something with a specific command. It is kind of like that.
1: I would. It's exactly like that. And the only difference is the skeletons instead of a decomposing body.
0: And he does it with a stamp, obviously.
1: I think for shy, the blood sealer is the main reason that she is in quote imprisoned because she could very easily escape the room itself Except for the fact that the blood sealer comes every morning, cuts her arm, takes a little blood and then stamps a basically a ward on the door that she is kept in and that always is watching her. So if she ever breaks out, it instantly notifies the blood sealer.
0: And even if she were to leave, the blood sealer has her fresh blood as long as it's within 24 hours, which he takes it every 24 hours. And he essentially gives the blood like you would to a hound to his skeletals, and then they can like track her down wherever.
1: So that would be, from what we know, three different stamps, maybe with lots of complexity for the skeleton ones, but it's stamp to watch on the door, yeah. stamp to track Shai's blood, and stamp, or multiple stamps, to bring alive the skeletons and then like give them the goal of tracking. So it's just as complex and just as um reliant on skill. It just seems to be a more brute force or more um, yeah. kind of trying to shortcut to get exactly what you want. You know, shy. Like hemology. Exactly. Like shy would be a mist having to kind of balance things give and take a little bit you know understand the history she can't just make something be entirely different she has yeah. to finagle Work it yeah it. exactly yeah. Um, and the Hamar are more trying to overpower just brute force coding basically <laughs> yeah.
0: and then there's also an interesting application in the resealing which I'm not sure if it's a completely different kind of investiture or if it's just using soul stamps in a medical fashion, but they have like surgeons or doctors who use the stamps to fix the body. And similar to what Shy does, the surgeon who's performing that action has to know everything about the body of the subject, including like where veins, muscles, sinew are they have to like have a complete map of the body in order to make those stamps and then heal the body
1: now obviously this is the one type of investiture that the rose empire tolerates because it is so valuable Super helpful. uh and we know that for all but injuries like Ashurvan sustained when it was an injury to his head uh you are going to mainly just be fixing the mechanical stuff, the bones and tissues. You don't need to worry about all this complexity that is introduced. Um, If someone just like slices a leg or is in battle or something, uh, it's pretty easy to just fix the mechanism of the body with this magic. And so the Rose Empire uses it and has people who are like trained to be resealers. Um, And they have a good one who tended to the emperor, but, to do the mental stuff, that's when they needed Shy.
0: Well, because if they have to map the whole body, like they would have to map your entire brain. Which is
1: basically what Shai tries to do. Tries to understand his brain enough to make a forgery, a copy. Mm,
0: well, some would draw a distinction between the brain and the soul.
1: Ooh, spiritual. <laughs> Metaphysical.
0: One more sort of Cosmere investiture significant thing that we see in... The Emperor's Soul that I don't know if I caught until this read is the unforgeable metal. They call it Ralkalest.
1: Now, we, of course, being super awesome world hoppers, know that aluminum has many properties that on different planets could be defined as unforgeable or.
0: Just unmagicable. Yeah, (laughs)
1: uninvestigable. It is. So often use uh, the sheath for Nightblood is aluminum. The room that is lined in Oathbringer oh, yeah. to protect uh, the people of Colinar is all about having aluminum, which obviously
0: on Skadrial people wear aluminum hats and stuff. Um, but so, and I think we have a word of Brandon actually that Rawclast is aluminum, and that this is Cosmere significant. So.
1: Super cool. In Shai's escape from the palace, she uses her own essence marks on herself. And this is kind of the last thing that I want to talk about because it really kind of summarizes and sums up everything we've been talking about. Shai, throughout her training, and I think she was about 30, if I remember, it was was something about being around for three decades. So she was probably in her 30s, Mm -hmm. maybe young 40s, but... In her life, she had created five essence marks, just like with Ashravan, able to rewrite her soul. And these were, you know, her soul stamps, the things that really defined her. And she had put her heart and soul, you know, taken multiple years to create just one, and she Mm -hmm. had five of them. The way that they are used really reminded me a little bit of video games slash the matrix where <laughs> you kind of stamp or download oh, a program <laughs> yes a program that teaches you a new skill you know teach me kung fu uh i need to learn how to fly a black hawk helicopter uh-huh. you just stamp yourself and have and those have abilities that skill set yeah and <laughs> i like that way of thinking about it it's the simplistic way to think of it because what's actually happening is Shy is rewriting her own history so that instead of spending three decades studying soul stamping and becoming a master forger, she spent that time becoming a warrior, uh become, living off the land as... Well, let's go through them one by one. Brooke, do you want to take us through what her soul stamps are?
0: The one that we see is the warrior, as you mentioned. So she... Is basically a lifelong trained fighter. And she uses that one to get herself out of the palace and escape.
1: And to kill the skeletons that are sent after her. And yeah. defeat Zhu. Zhu? Or Zhu? I say Zhu. Okay. Z-U. Zhu. But leave him alive. Uh, And then she uses the beggar, actually. The beggar is one that changes her physical appearance to be kind of hideous all bald and look like you have a disease um but is a master lock picker
0: oh yeah and like thief yes and living on the streets.
1: yes really like a person who has seen had a very hard life and is a survivor um and able to help shy stay under the radar she doesn't escape the city immediately she stays in the under things the you know the black network that's mm-hmm. there but not there like you don't know about it maybe it's in the sewers if they have sewers i don't know where she was <laughs> hanging out but you know just she is living in the the depths and the shadows until she can escape the city and that is when she needs to become
0: the survivalist and that basically turns her into like a woods lady where she can like track and make her way through like forest and uncharted territory and she knows how to like light fires and hunt for her food and all of that kind of stuff
1: now the one that we don't see but we assume that she used as kind of a versatility option uh is the scientist which is just our shorthand for the scholar that she imagined herself or can rewrite herself to be and like she had spent all that time studying different books so just learning as much as possible about physics and engineering and um all the different hard and soft sciences in their world to whatever level they are at but she is basically really really good uh when she taps into the scientists so you can imagine that being useful
0: obviously useful
1: in multiple circumstances but maybe not very exciting and not really necessary for us <laughs> to see um The last last one one.
0: is the most interesting, which is the one that is kind of her secret that she doesn't ever plan on using. All of the previous ones have written into them that Shy will remember who she really is and like remember that she has a stamp on her so that she can go, you know, go back to being her regular self when she needs to. The last one does not have that written into it.
1: In fact, it has a story for the stamped version of Shy, uh about why she needs to stamp herself every morning. So like Ashravan was going to have someone do it for him mm-hmm. and uh, Shy would just like wake up and be like, I was injured in an accident. The resealers came and cured me, but I have to stamp myself every day or I die. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. Just so she can't remember herself or her skills, her actual skills.
0: And in this story, I think she like lives on a farm, right? She's just kind of like lives in the country, has this very simple yeah. um, hobbit lifestyle, provincial life. Um, in this story, she has an aunt and an uncle that she grew up with and sort of just like a sweet family and this simple, nice life
1: what is the reveal in some ways is that the aunt and uncle she references throughout the story without mentioning this specific stamp
0: yeah that they are like not real
1: well she she references them like oh yeah i'm going to go hang out with uh uncle tom just kidding not really but Whatever his name was, I'm going to go hang out with my aunt and uncle or I learned this from my aunt. Yeah, and it's a
0: lot of uh, learning. Yeah, like exactly. She imagines all the time like, oh, well, like my aunt always says, saying, saying, saying.
1: And then we find out that the aunt and uncle aren't real, that those are just figments of this stamped creation of hers. Yeah. And, and she has like interwoven everything in her own mind.
0: Well, and we get little bits and pieces about her actual history, too, and it sounds like she didn't have a family. She, like, did grow up kind of on the streets, learned how to be a thief in a pickpocket, did all of this intense training, and, like, she had mentors, but it doesn't sound like she really had a family. And so she, like, created this stamp with this sweet family story of a simple life for a girl and those characters kind of get like stuck in her mind this like future that there's a part of her that actually really wants um but she's kind of scared to take that path
1: now there are so many different interest interesting aspects of the emperor's soul and we've tried to lay them out as much as possible here one of the things that i was most surprised by was the level of non-magical technology that was casually mentioned in the Emperor's soul and just the level of advancement uh she had a pocket watch a pocket watch that she like routinely checked all the time uh and as far as i know it was never mentioned anything about stamping that pocket watch to make it work um i don't think it was magical i think it was just an engineered pocket watch
0: oh that's interesting i didn't notice that
1: it is incredible only if you are very nerdy about the history of pocket watches which are really difficult to create and took a very long time for us here on earth I'm talking like late 1800s early 1900s um like pocket watches were still used by officers in World War 1 to like measure time as they needed and then wrist watches were invented during that time and pretty much everyone switched over to a wrist watch but just think about that like in the 20th century humans had like a good pocket watch and it seemed like shy had a good pocket watch so the rose empire is really far along in their development just like compared to earth and unlike other planets it's not magical engineering it's not a Fabrial, and that's kind of what you know on rashar their coolest technology is all Fabrial magic based but this just seems like they invented a pocket watch independently which i know is very like <laughs> simple but it blew my mind that it was just casually mentioned all the time i was just like does you guys are kicking ass like well done i'm compared to elantris which seemed to have like you know swords and spears a lot yeah. of the time i was just like uh i feel like if the rose empire wanted to take over elantris it would be a fair fight like even with magic
0: let's talk a little bit about the Postscript in this that we get from Brandon. He talks a little bit about his inspiration for the story, which we talked a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but something I thought was just super interesting. He said he went to uh, a museum, the National Palace Museum in Taiwan, and learned and was inspired by these red stamps that are on all of the artwork, which is essentially like the signature of the artist. So the artist would, you know, paint their work and then stamp their work with their, you know, signifier that this was their work. And then a sort of tradition arose that nobles or kings who liked pieces of artwork would stamp it with their own stamp to like say i like this it's like liking something on facebook like yeah <laughs> click or like double tap on instagram heart like i like this everyone see <laughs>
1: brandon said when he discovered this quote one emperor in particular loved to do this and would take beautiful sculptures or pieces of jade centuries old and have his stamp and perhaps some lines of his poetry carved into them. What a fascinating mindset. Imagine being a king, deciding that you liked Michelangelo's David, and so had your signature carved across his chest. That's essentially what this was. End quote.
0: Yeah, so mind-blowing. It's just such a different reaction to art that we have inherited in the western side of the world which is like put it in a museum put it behind glass like no one's allowed to touch it or look at it or breathe on it like you just look at it and then like walk away and this sort of interactive um emotionality to the art I find just really really fascinating
1: Yeah, because it just bounces back and forth in my head. Is it disrespectful to the artist? I kind of want to say yes, and then at the same time, I'm kind of thinking like, well, part of what art is is transferring emotions. Yes, and so it's like if this king came up, and because he's king, people let him stamp stuff. But he looks at it. Think about Light Song in Warbreaker. (laughs) You know, and all the gods, all the returned. their opinion is so valued that like just art is brought before them and they give an opinion and everybody writes it down. That's basically what existed in Taiwan or throughout, maybe throughout parts of China as well, that Kings would just like, well, this is nice. This is a moving piece. Hold on. I'm going to write some poetry. (laughs) They write their feelings down and then are like, here, we should let people know that this is what I felt.
0: Yeah, and just like, I like this so much that I want to participate in the art. Mm-hmm. I think it's super interesting. And like, I myself, am an artist. And I think one of the problems that arise around art in the popular culture and like why there's such a disconnect with it in our modern world is partially because people feel alienated from it. Because it's put up on a stage or it's put up on an easel and we say, look but don't touch. Somebody else who was, you know, smarter and more creative than you made this thing and, like, you're not allowed to participate in it. And so, like, making that more participatory and allowing, like, the circle of influence of that creativity to be active, I just think it's a super awesome concept.
1: I find it beautiful. I find the Emperor's soul beautiful. I find all of you beautiful. You should definitely take a reread of the Emperor's soul. It's not difficult, it can be found in the Arcanum Unbounded, can be found as a solo digital download. And I would highly suggest that if you have newbies to the Cosmere people that are questioning, that The Emperor's Soul is a great novella to start with.
0: Let us know what you think. I would love to hear from you on Facebook or Twitter or email. Hit us up. And until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. (laughs)